As I jump into this message, let me just pray. Father, I pray tonight that every heart listening by, by internet here tonight on a podcast or uh, on the internet later on, Lord, that we would allow you to be the great physician and the master potter. Because, Lord, you know what needs to be healed. And as the master potter, Lord, you know what needs to be put in and you know what needs to be taken out. Because, Lord, you are the author and finisher of our faith, our fate, and our future. So, Lord, we just say yes to you tonight in Jesus' name. You know, when Paul was writing, when he wrote that letter to the Galatians, he was really helping the church have a course correction. Uh, the Galatians had started off in faith, and they ended up under the law. Everybody familiar with the, the book of Galatians? I feel like tonight... There's many of us that are going to be able to see where a course correction is needed because we want to make sure that our train is on the track, so to speak, with the Lord. And let me say this, we can be in, in, um, in different stages of this. We can be, uh, uh, you can just be off a little bit with the Lord and the Lord will course correct that, right? Or you could be a lot off. It doesn't really matter. The Lord wants to course correct some of us tonight. Can you put up the one about this? Go down to the one that has my first drawing on it, if you don't mind. So buzz on down. Oh, y'all know my great drawings. That's the other one. Give me the one with the stronghold, sorry, with the tower. I might have put them out of order. Oops, nope, that's my last one. Should be one with the towers. Maybe, we didn't, maybe it didn't work. I'll, I'll just keep going. They can, they can look around for it. Let me, um, we're familiar with the scripture in, in Zechariah that says, Zechariah 9, 12, it says, return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Well, one of, the, one of the problems with disappointment is disappointment can actually be, you know, there's negative and positive strongholds. So a negative stronghold that I'm talking about tonight is a stronghold of disappointments. When you're in a stronghold of disappointment, you have had delays, you have had life circumstances. Um, let me say something about a prophetic word. Has, has anybody had a prophetic word that has had what I want to call measurables in it and it didn't come to pass? A few of you, you want some help with that? So if you have a prophetic word and it, there's a measurable, what do I mean by that? There's a date. There's a quantity. There's something that in the natural is measurable. There's two answers to that if it didn't come to pass. Number one, it was incorrect. Hello? Or number two, that measurable was symbolic and you took it literally. So you might want to go back to some of those. Thank you. I'll, you might go back to some of those prophetic words that ended up turning into a disappointment because something measurable didn't come out to be true. It could be symbolic, but then if you have still got residue of uh, disappointment from a prophetic word, you need to make sure that you've forgiven the person that gave you that word and forgive God. We're getting practical help tonight, okay? You still with me? So this is, um, so you can see on the left is a stronghold of disappointment. And if you live there, you literally build walls around you, and then your perspective on life is pretty much disappointing all the time. It, it gives you a lens of disappointment, and with a lens of disappointment, it's impossible 
to live in a stronghold of hope. They're, they're opposed. Can you see that? And if we properly process the pain, which we're going to practically understand how to do that tonight, yeehaw, I guess this is storehouse ER, you know, we're going to properly process the pain of disappointments, and then we want, to, we want the Holy Spirit to build and, and transfer, transform us to that stronghold of hope. Anybody want to go there, or is that just me? Let me say this. Disappointments primarily come from unmet expectations. We believe someone is intentionally putting us off, postponed something. There are re, there, we've had expectations that aren't met. And this is primarily what we do. We put a timetable on God or someone else to perform, and we, we dictate, I, I want God to do it this way, in this time frame, and in this order. And we call it faith. That's not faith, that's expectation. And then we get hurt when it doesn't happen the way that we've dictated it. And then we get angry at God or anyone else that's involved. And so we need, uh, this is an important key of getting healed. There's a difference between expectations and expectancy. This is a key. Expectation is the anticipation that things will have a defined method, a timing, and a quantity. You suppose it's going to turn out a certain way. Anybody with me? So what is expectancy? Expectancy doesn't focus on those details. It, 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 it focuses on the promise of something, but not the details or the, the manner in which something's going to come across. Expectancy always hopes. It has faith that good will be the result, but the exact how, what, or when it will manifest never factors into your imagination. Has anybody been expecting a lot of things and maybe not moving in, I mean, expectation and not moving in expectancy? Expectancy, the cornerstone of expectancy is the nature of God. That's why part of this stronghold is uh, God's nature, when you, when you have a, a correct theology of God's nature and, you can, and you've really embraced the fact that God is good, if you can live from that place, that's going to help you live out of expectancy. Expectation says, God, I expect you to do this and I expect you to do it this way. Uh, ex expectation says that. Expectancy says, Lord, I know you're going to do something good in this area of my life, maybe finances or relationships or job. I, I don't know what you're going to do, but I know you're going to do something amazing. That's the voice of expectancy. Expectation, you're directing God. How many of you know that's probably not a great idea? Expectancy is you humble yourself and you allow God to release his goodness his way. And we don't really often recognize that we're, we're living with these expectations until we're believing for something long enough and it doesn't happen. And at that moment, you're in a fork in the road. 
in that moment, you've got to choose, are you going to believe in this blueprint that you've created? Are you going to believe that God's on your side? That's the fork in the road that many of you all are in. I'm throwing you a rope tonight. At that moment, that's where you need to take inventory. And I love this phrase. It's very deep. You've got to think about what you're thinking about. Do you need to write that down? And why is that? Because if I'll take a moment for some self-awareness and think about what I'm thinking about, then I'm going to know whether I'm just, um, I've got all these expectations set up and because it hasn't happened that way, I'm really at the door of another disappointment. Can you see that? So if I can get hold of my thought life, or am I really living out of this place of expectancy of just, I, listen, I know God's for me. I know Jeremiah 29, 11 is never not true. I know that's a double negative, teachers. But it's never not true. I love that. That's gotten me out of many a ditch. So we need, to, we need to have faith in God's nature, not in our self-created blueprint of how something's going to happen. This is helping me. So this is a huge growth lesson because you, and it's usually painful because at that moment, at that fork of the road, I have to be circumcised. That's a medical word. I have to be pruned from my own way of thinking, and here's an additional painful part, I've got emotional momentum that it's gonna happen a certain way. And so I've gotta change some things on the inside so that I can come into agreement with the Lord and allow the Holy Spirit to deconstruct this blueprint that I've created. You know, when I said I was in that meeting with, um, with Steve Fry, the reason that I really thought, <laughs> the reason I was so disappointed about not getting my pharmacy license back is because when I was incarcerated, I mean, the Lord visited me. I had visitations. I had dreams that God was going to restore. I mean, he took that, that scripture in Joel, uh, you know, uh, I'll restore to you that which the locusts have eaten. Anybody got a locust scripture on their refrigerator? Um, I didn't have a refrigerator, but he, I mean, and so I began to construct my blueprint of what that meant. And because I had lost my pharmacy license, man, he was going to restore, that was stolen, so he was going to do it this way. I had five years in jail with emotional momentum and building this blueprint of how it was going to happen. So when I get out of prison, I go down to Austin to apply before the Texas State Board of Pharmacy to get my license back. And by the way, that same group told me that they couldn't believe that this has happened to me. Just come back when you're out of prison and we'll work on getting you reinstated. So I also had the hope of man. But how many of you know the hope for man sometimes doesn't match the plans of God? So I go into this meeting. In fact, I was the last one in. There were seven or eight people that had hearings that day. And man, I'm praying for them as they go in. I've got this expectation in my heart because I'm going to get to go back and do drugs legally for a living. And so I'm, my, my train's about to get back on track. I can start making lots of money again. And man, this is it. I've paid my price to society. I'm going back. And all these people were coming out of their meetings and they looked like they were in pretty good mood. So my prayers were working. So, I mean, this is, this is good. So I walked in and I'm telling you, 
it was like the Antarctica in there. It was so cold. I walked in and it was like I was back on trial again. They started drilling me. They started accusing me. I mean, I was so shocked. I can't even tell you that moment, what that moment was like. And they obviously denied it. <laughs> I was in such disbelief. I, I gathered my things and I walked out and they were leaving too. I was the last one. It was like the noon hour. And so I walked in and get into the elevator and all of a sudden they all walk in the elevator with me. So I get to the front so I don't have to look at them. <laughs> and the Lord speaks to me and he says, turn and release kindness. I said, no. He said, Mary, thank them. I mean, everything in me. So I turned and I, this just came out of my mouth. I just want to uh, lay, thank you so much for your time today. It even had a good tone. You know, you mean, I mean, you know, God's with you when the, you know, it's one thing to obey. It's another thing when he's, I mean, power <laughs> and it, it even had the right to. And I said, thank you so much for your time and your consideration today. I really appreciate it. Thank God the doors <laughs> opened right then. And I, I went to my car and I had a lunch scheduled because I, I needed to minister to this young boy and I get in my car and I pick up the phone to God and I'm like, I can't believe you, you promised you, you know, and I was just so angry. I was like, you promised this, then what's this all about? And you're not who you say you are. And, blah, blah, blah. and then I just hung up. I didn't give him a chance. And I went to this lunch and we sat at the lunch and we were talking and a friend of mine, David was over here and, and I'd seen him the night before he and his wife. And, and he, um, he said, uh, um, let me see which part came first. Yeah. So anyway, there's this young boy sitting across from me and the Lord wants me to prophesy to him. I, you know, he just shows me what some things and I, nobody even asked me about my meeting. Like I had two friends there and this young kid, he didn't know what I'd just gone through. They weren't even asking me, wasn't this moment about me? And so the Lord is just on me to, to prophesy to this young boy. And I'm like, no, 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 three times no. And it was, he gets nicer, I get meaner. Have y'all ever done that? Because I, I wanted this moment, I needed it to be about me. So anyway, I, I said, oh. So I began to prophesy over this young kid. He cries, saw some stuff when he was seven. It was, it was really amazing. And I'm mad. So, <laughs> so then it gets worse. So then David says, um, do you have that? do you have that check that I gave you last night that my wife and I gave you? And he had given me a, a, a donation to the ministry. And I'm like, well, sure. And I took it out of my wallet and, and gave it to him. And right in front of me, he just rips it up. <laughs> and I'm going, man, my blood pressure was 480. I mean, for, and I'd just gotten out of prison. Every penny was counting. He ripped it up and then he, and he took the longest time to rip it. <laughs> then he slid over a check and I looked down at it and this one was made out to me personally, which I don't take personal checks. They, everything goes to the ministry. And he goes, Mary, my, the Lord said that he wanted to bless you personally. And the check was for more than the other one was. And so the Lord was just showing me I'm going to provide, I'm going to restore that which the locusts have eaten, but I'm not going to do it the way you thought. My goodness is going to override that situation. My goodness is going to my goodness is going to go before you, behind you, all around you, but that's not what I have in mind. And I'll tell you to this day, I wouldn't be preaching here today 
if he'd restored my license, and I'll tell you why. My first business was when I was six. I'm a businesswoman, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm not a minister, I don't know how to hold a microphone or speak, I don't do any of those things. I just know how to run businesses and, and make money and that kind of thing. And then when I get out, he doesn't open a single opportunity for business or things that I wanna do because that's my strong arm. So then he's, he, he begins to develop this left arm of mine and I go to, I've been to what, 30 nations or whatever. I preach, I prophesy, I trained. He just shoves me out there, little by little. It feels like a shove. And so now he's developed this left arm as a more of a traditional ministry role. And I believe in the near future, he's going to release because this hand's been tied behind my back. And so that way, I'm going to be a two-armed eagle, you see. But I would have never done it that way. I would have let me done what I was strong at, and then I would have never developed this. What am I trying to say? God knows what he's doing, you guys. He knows what he's doing in your life. He knows what he's doing in your business. He knows what he's doing in your relationships. He knows what he's doing. So our heart to find him keeps us in line with him. So I had to get healed from that disappointment. And it, it, that was a huge lesson for me. So, um, and let me say this. <laughs> You know, I'm still in that journey of God, God providing. He's, he is providing, but he has not restored. And I'm 20 years into this. No, you don't like to hear that, do you? Because we're a miracle. We just want miracles. Well, can I tell you, he's, here's a word. Here's another cuss word in the church, process. And so I, I literally... God does provide, but he is definitely not restored. And can I tell you, I'm okay with that because I see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living every day. And you know, Abraham had to do the same thing. Abraham had what I call, I've got this on the teaching out there. It's called Don't Rebuke the Ram. I won't go too much into it, but I wanna, I wanna show you it in scripture as well. God will allow you, God allowed me to believe he was going to do something a certain way. Don't you think he could have corrected my thinking in prison? But he didn't. And I'm okay with that because he did the same thing to Abraham. Think about it. Abraham has to go sacrifice his son. We all know the story. And he gathers everything up. He walks three days to Mount Moriah, right? So for three days, and this is how I know, it's, it's in Hebrews, it says that he thinks that God's going to raise Isaac from the dead. That's, we think, how in the world could he <coughs> plan to murder his son? Because he had emo enough emotional momentum to believe that God was going to raise him for the son, and God didn't tell him he was wrong. Aren't you glad you came to church? And it, this is called progressive revelation. Where we fall in the ditch is when we realize God's saying something different, we accuse him and we don't adjust like Abraham did. Abraham humbled himself with a knife in the air right over his son, getting ready to go forward with his blueprint that he developed in his mind and all, all of a sudden he hears a bleh, that's my ram. And he hears it and he didn't say, I rebuke you devil in the name of Jesus. I'm killing my son. He was humble enough to know, ah, God's doing it a different way.
The fruit of disappointment. Can we put up my cute tree, please? The fruit of disappointment is anger. Isn't that good? Now, let me say this about the roots. Some roots are back till childhood. Some roots were a year ago. Some were about 20 minutes before the service. It, it doesn't matter. And listen, you don't have to, you don't go searching for the roots. You let the Holy Spirit bring up what he wants to bring up. Like the, the same way he did for me in that church service when he said, Mary, it's right there. You've still got disappointment in your heart that you didn't get your pharmacy license back. And I dealt with it right then. I didn't go looking. I call that navel gazing. I don't go uh, self-help. I go, Holy Spirit, where are you? I follow you when it comes to healing, okay? Anybody with me? So those roots can be um, big, little, uh, old, new. It, it's just whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do. And then, you know, anything that has roots, what bears fruit? So some of the fruit of disappointment is anger, isolation, frustration, confusion, despair, not wanting to go on, comparison, jealousy, low self-esteem, <coughs> rejection, should I keep going? Unforgiveness and being cynical. Um, I'm going to take the time to do this because I felt like the Lord said that there, there were people that were in, the, in some of the darkest places of disappointment, and that's being cynical. That's almost like the end of the, end of the road of disappointments um, until you get into self-harm. I'm not going to go there today. But I want to read this about being cynical. Cynicism, being cynical is an unproductive reaction to disappointment. It springs from the helplessness people feel when they are disappointed by others and allow themselves to become detached observers. Can I tell you, if you're cynical, you'll be in worship and you're not connecting with God. Rather than active participants, it carries with it a sense of entitlement that says, you disappointed me, therefore my, my being cynical is justified. The signs, the fruit of being cynical are low or no trust. Can I tell you, one of the reasons that I think that the Holy Spirit is dealing so specifically with disappointments in this hour, with this difference of expectancies and expectations, is that we have got to trust him. And we cannot trust some we don't know, somebody we don't know, and we can't trust somebody that we're disappointed in. So the, the signs of being um, cynical are pretty obvious. They're low or no trust, blame, criticism, divisiveness, pessimism, negativity, and sarcasm. Okay, I'm going to take it one more step. How many of y'all have listened to Caroline Leaf and her... She's a, a doctor, and she does a lot of the stuff on the brain. And, and this is by a different doctor, but this is along the same lines. Uh, give me your attention for just a minute while I read this. This is fascinating. Being cynical distracts the brain from solution building and rewires it for problem blaming instead. I could stop right there. You want me to do it again real quick? Being cynical distracts the brain from solution building and rewires it to problem blaming instead. It can also increase hormones that produce dangerous levels of stress. It rewires the brain for damaging practices such as distrust, 
doubt, and scorn. The parts of the brain that are engaged in cynical thinking differ from those involved in more positive behavior, behavior such as compassion for others or building meaningful solutions to problems. Now listen to this. Eventually, the brain moves cynical behavior from its working memory over to the basal ganglia where your mind stores habitual behaviors. At that point, choice for positive behaviors are very hard to make. Wow, disappointments are dangerous. I wanted to read that because if anyone has gone that far and processed things through the, through the lens of disappointment, you, God still wants to bring you back from there. And you might not even realize that this lack of trust and pessimism and negativity, the root of it is actually disappointments. So, um, and let me just give us all a, <laughs> one of my life lessons, I always number them, but never in chronological order. This is life lesson, life lesson 7228. Um, you, can con you, you can't control what's done to you, but you have 100% control on how you respond. I know you've probably heard that before, but it might be a shoe that fits in this season. So you can try that on. So what not to do with disappointments? Let's get some practical, uh, some training in this. Here's what not to do. Deny and stuff. Just, just tell yourself right now, I'm no longer going to deny the pain. I'm no longer going to deny it. It's like a trash compactor. If you deny and you don't properly process, like was on the other, other slide, if you don't properly process, it's like one of those trash compactors pushing all that negativity into your soul. Now we can sing, my soul sings, but it's singing bad things with, with, if disappointment is in there. Um, so let me give you a practical course correction if you find yourself in disappointments. Just remember, the enemy wants to use disappointments as fuel in your, in your thinking so that you build a case against God or you build a case against someone else. And we had a word tonight about forgiveness, which I, I mean, I didn't even really have to preach. Y'all had all the puzzle pieces for this. But God wants to invade these very circumstances and release his comfort, his care, and reveal his goodness. Let me say something. Resolving disappointment is a big deal. It's a big deal, guys. It's a big deal. We have to, and once we get healed, how we want to live is in a wonderful thing that God gave us his mercies are new every morning, and we've got 24 hours to deal with our stuff, okay? We should learn to be able to process pain and uh, negative things in our everyday life in 24 hours. Is that a good goal? Now, if you, you know, once you start on this journey with the Holy Spirit, it might take you a week, but at least it's better than the 10 years it took you before. Are you with me? And so it'll get shorter and shorter the more self-aware and the more you learn how to follow the Holy Spirit. Okay, practically, here's how you make a course correction if you find yourself in disappointments. Number one, we need to repent. Why? Why do we repent? 
because we have allowed, can I tell you, only you are in charge of your heart and your thinking. We can do a lot through prayer and we can pray to help you have the mind of Christ, but until you get the strength and the wherewithal to be the own, your own gatekeeper of your own heart, can I tell you, when you want someone else to be your gatekeeper, that's when you need to go to a, a, a clinician to learn about codependency or borderline or something like that. You've got, you've got responsibility for your own heart. This is a grow-up message tonight, can you tell? So we need to repent when we're in disappointments because we have allowed feelings, and I'll guarantee you, if you have the feeling of disappointment, you have behaved. <laughs> Behavior always follows feelings. Wow, that went down like a rat sandwich. I'm going to keep going. Because we have allowed the feelings and the behavior, and more than likely, we have fueled a case against God. So we need to repent. We need to renounce the spirit of unbelief. We need to renounce our own belief. We need to renounce the the spirit of, of disappointment, and we need to close the door to the devil. We need to forgive. If this is a person, we need to forgive them. If they didn't um, uh, meet your schedule or meet, your, meet all this blueprint, the plans of your blueprint, you need to forgive the person or you might need to forgive God. And let me tell you, once you get to that point, you're still in pain but what you've done is you've closed the door to the enemy and you've now taken the posture of, I'm now going to resist and refuse to partner with that spirit of disappointment anymore. But we've still got pain, okay? So then we take the next step. It's called throw up. We've got to learn to be gut honest with God. And that involves things that have happened and how that made you feel. There's too many people in the body of Christ that have disassociated their emotions. Can I tell you that's one third of your soul? Emotions aren't bad, but if you have processed pain and heartache and troubles to where you've denied them all your life, I can pretty much, big percentage, uh, more than likely, you have pressed your emotions over here so you probably don't even have much emotional vocabulary or much emotional intelligence. And can I tell you, that's incongruent with how you're made. And how do I know? Because I've been on that journey. And so the Holy Spirit wants to not just get you in touch with the pain for pain's sake, for pain's sake, but he wants you to be congruent with the way that you're made. Can I tell you, Jesus was moved and led by his emotions. What is compassion? Jesus was moved with compassion. He wasn't moved with negative emotions, but he was moved with positive emotions. But if you cut off your emotions, you, you can't differentiate. So we're still hurting. So we need to, can I tell you, we need to flush this phrase when we've been hurt. Guys, you too. This is a genderless message. This is a kingdom message. This is helping you to get more intimacy in your life 
to get your train back on the track, and it doesn't matter if you're tall, short, yellow, black, white, male, or female. We've got to flush this phrase when something negative happens to us. Mm, I'm good. That's called self-reliance and lack of reality. And, and not everything, not every single little thing, but when we know some of these things that have hurt us and we don't properly process, I'll guarantee you we will be stunted. That's why some of us aren't growing in the spirit as much as we could be and as much as we should be, we can come and have these anointed meetings and be in the presence of the Lord, but we're not growing in our everyday life so that when trouble hits us, we're, we're still we're, we're cussing and we're, we're afraid and we're um, offended. That's, that's an immature response to life in the spirit. I love you. I'm here for you. So we need to be honest with God on the things that he wants to process with us. I don't, I haven't, listen, sweeties, <laughs> if I had to process all my loss and pain, I, I would never come to church. So it's not like I do that, but when the Holy Spirit brings it up, I follow him. Like that thing with my pharmacy license. This, uh, another thing that happened, I think I've told this story here before, this is just coming to mind. It was about eight years ago. I was officing with a couple of counselors, a couple of friends. I had the office in the back, and I was walking down the hall, and um, this, this one of the gals, she said, hey, Mary, come in here just a minute. I want you to tell me that story of when they locked you up in that inner prison and shackled you and put chains on you. And I'm like, oh, you've heard that a million times. Read the book. I was in a hurry. So I, I, I started to go back, and she goes, Mary, please, just come in here for just a minute. So she, I go in, she closes the door, and I'm, you know, telling the story. Well, you know, they came and got me, and then, you know, I start real factually, and then I start, and then, and then she would, like, uh-huh, and make comments all at the right time. And the next thing, before long, I'm bawling, totally bawling. And then, you know, end up floor, give a deposit, make an offering, all that stuff. And so, but when it was all over, I come up, you know, and I'm like, what the heck? What was that? I've told that story 42 zillion times on planes, trains, and automobiles in front of millions, in front of two. I mean, what was the deal? And she said, Mary, the Lord spoke to me and said that you needed to tell that part of your story in the atmosphere of someone who really cared. I didn't know. So I don't go, I, I, I don't want to give the impression that, because if I had to process every hurt and pain, I don't do that. But when the Holy Spirit shows me, Mary, you've got a pocket of pain there, I, I, I go for that and I get help. But then I have to, I have to do this honest thing. And by the way, it, we, we love that scripture, Matthew eleven six. 6, it says, blessed are, blessed are those who are not offended in me. We've got to make sure we don't have any of that in our hearts, you guys. And let me just say, let me give you just kind of a rendition because maybe some of you all have never done this before. You've never, you've gone to God and <clears throat> you've prayed in tongues, you've maybe prophesied and you've maybe asked for things for your kids and that's all great. But maybe you've never gone to God in this kind of prayer where you have to, you need to really tell him about your disappointment in this way. So it could sound something like this. All right, God, this really looks like this situation and you can have an attitude, can I tell you? It's okay to express emotions to the Lord. 
it's this situation right here looks like you promised me something and you did not come through. You, didn't, you did not keep your promise on this one, buddy. Looks like you let me down and I was trusting in that prophetic word. I had a dream and then I saw that billboard. I had confirmation and you didn't come through. Now listen, God, I know deep in my heart of hearts, that's not you. It's got to be something else. And I, I really don't know what that is. But it feels like you betrayed me. But I know that's not you. It looks like you could have really backed me up and come through. And I don't, I don't understand. But I'm telling you, I know it's not you. Now that's great. But you can't stop there. This next, this next step is very important then you need to wait for him to respond. You don't need to leave the situation. You might have to leave that time of prayer and come back, but what you've got to have is peace. He'll either give you peace that you understand. Well, just like I got understanding why I didn't get my pharmacy license back, but I've got about 42 other things. I don't know why in the heck it went the direction it did. I didn't get the understanding, but I've got the peace. The peace was the balm of Gilead, knowing that that disappointment had been healed. Are you with me? So you've got to wait for his response. So I might, I might not get the understanding, but I have to have peace. So, um, so let, me, let me close with this. I know I've gone a little over, but I, I, I want to touch on one scripture and then I'm, I'm, I'm almost done. I've got to bring this up because this is the elephant in the room. Proverbs 13, 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, it's a tree of life. Can I tell you something that scripture actually means in the original language that if your heart stops hoping, it is sick? I'm going to say that again because we use that scripture to enforce our disappointments. I've waited this long, so now I've got a heart sick. I've got a, 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 my heart sick, so I can't hope anymore. No, 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 no. If we can't get our heart back in hope and become those prisoners of hope, your heart is going to be sick. You're, you are created to have a hope-filled heart. It's God's divine design for you. That's why this is so critical. It's very important. So... There I was, I was incarcerated for, can I, can, where's your dog? Yeah, thanks. There I was, I'd been, um, you all know most of my story. I was incarcerated for about a year and a half. After a couple of months, I'd released a, a fiance and said, go date other people, which he had already started dating other people, but that's not the point of the story. Um, and then because I kept getting that scripture, cast your bread upon the water, and if it's yours, it'll return to you. And I knew that's what I was supposed to do. So about a year later, a year and a half later it was, um, I went to mail call, and I don't know if y'all have ever heard stories about people that are incarcerated, or maybe some of y'all have been in prison. Some of y'all look kind of familiar. <laughs> but I'll talk to, talk to you later. But... 
Um, so when they do mail call, it's it's like a it's a big deal because it's you have you know just have contact with the outside world really, and so. I went to mail call. My mother was amazing. I'd get two and three, four letters from her a week, and she was even writing other people. In the uh, anyway, so I got down there and I, they call your number two two four nine zero zero seven seven, and he handed me this letter, and I looked at it, and I just started shaking. So I take the letter and I go to the only private place you have, which was the toilet, and I sat down at my desk, and and I opened the I I, I recognized the handwriting. It was his after a year and a half. Seven pages, front and back. All the stuff he was doing at the children's home. Da 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 da. And now for the important part I want to come see you again. Can you put my name back on the visitation list? Was this my bread? Was it coming back? So I put his name back on the list. We had one other phone call to arrange the time he was going to come. <laughs> Got up early that morning. My prayer partner, Liz, ironed my uniform for me. It was kind of khaki, gross, polyester stuff. It didn't really iron, but we made the effort. She curled my hair with this thing. And I got ready. I sat on the bed, my, my bed, my bunk. I didn't want to get to, just sat and waited. 8.15, I'm sure traffic, has to be traffic. I go and brush my teeth again, sit down. Liz comes and checks on me. We're, you know, nine, 9.30, 10, Liz comes, 11.30. Mary, you want to go to chow? Yeah, Liz, let's go to chow. So two months after that, cut to the chase, I found out he was engaged to be married. So I fasted on the day of the wedding. I blessed the wedding. I forgave him. I, I was so spiritual. You would have been so proud of me, Pastor. And then I get out. A couple months later, I get out of prison. I've got a storage unit in South, South Texas, South Dallas. The last day I had to have everything out of my unit and I'm about to close the door and there in the back was a box, a copy paper box. And I go over there and I open the box. I, I slam the box down, grab the box, throw it in my car, drive to some friends of mine that were elders at Sojourn Church, John and Nancy Worley. I'm getting tender now because God was so good in these days. I never would have known I needed out. I threw the box in the car. I drove to John and Nancy's, took the box in, threw it in the middle of the floor, fell on the ground and wailed, just wailed. And when I finished, I said, Nancy, just look, look what's in the box. She opened it up, and there was all my wedding things. I was supposed to be married right before I got. There was the pillow, the ring bearer's pillow. There were the Bibles that I'd wrapped for my nephews. There was that pen that you write on. Why do they put a feather on that? Anyway, that's another. 
the, all my stuff from my wedding. And I didn't know. I thought I'd handled it then. But God needed to go, why? How that box even got there, I don't know. So I've got a question for you tonight. What's in your box? What's in your box? What about you? You back there, what's in your box? What's in your box? Close your eyes for just a moment. Father, we don't wanna go on some street by ourselves, on some rabbit hunt, but we do wanna go anywhere you wanna take us. So Father, I'm asking that you would do tonight what you've done for me so many times. Lord, show us if we have something in our box. Show us that time, that season, that event, that person. Just with your eyes closed, if the Lord showed you anything, just put your hand up and put it right back down. Yeah, all over the room. Now, Father, you don't lead us to a well without giving us a drink. So, Father, tonight, in the name of Jesus, I command that spirit of disappointment and that spirit of grief to come off your people, to come up and out, all the way off, all the pain, that spirit of pain, I command it to come off. I command it to loose its hold on every person that's listening to this message. And Father, I pray that a wave of deliverance would touch each soul, would release minds. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just see minds being let go of, of the rehearsing and the pain and the negativity. And Father, I declare over each and every person that you are our Prince of Peace. You are the Prince of Peace. So Father, in Jesus' name, establish your peace, establish your water level. Father, I declare that all boats are gonna rise. All boats will rise. All boats will rise and sail again. And the sail on each boat will be directed by hope in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you. We thank you. So this has been a tender, tender time. If you want to stay in your seats as we kind of close and have some music played for us, you do that. If you don't have time tonight, no pressure. But I want to, I want to encourage you. If the Lord didn't show you anything, ask one more time when you get home. And the second thing I'd like to ask is, if he did show you something, repent, forgive, gut, honest, gut honesty with God, and wait on his response. Father, we love you. You're the great physician. And you told me that you're healing wounded warriors because the best days are yet ahead. And Lord, we have to have whole hearts, clear thinking minds, strong bodies. And Lord, we've got to see you for who you really are. 
Lord, I pray that all aspects of our past would not permeate into our future. But Lord, we would be able to connect with you heart to heart and face to face. Lord, we love you and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen.